what's the move? Can I tell the truth? If I was doing this for you, then I have nothing left to prove. Nah, this for me though. I'm just trying to stay alive and take care of my people. And they don't have no award for that. Trophies. Trophies. And they don't have no award for that. Shit don't come with trophies. Ain't no envelopes to open. I just do it cause I'm supposed to. I go to dreams with a suitcase. What's up, footy fans? Welcome to the ninth episode of Backyard Footy, brought to you by the beautiful game network of podcasts. That's bgn.fm on the internet. You can also follow them on Twitter at the bgn.fm. I have one of my very good friends here with me, Alex Lee. A little Yo. background on us. Alex and I live 15 minutes from each other back home. He's two years older from me, so growing up, we always used to watch his older Potomac team dominate. I remember watching him in high school, his team going undefeated, and he was playing forward at the time, and so was I, so it was inspiring, and that's something I wanted to do. Fast forward a couple of years, we're playing against each other. He went to University of Maryland, went to George Mason. We played against each other in college, and then through mutual friends, we were partying, hanging out all the time. And then fast forward to when I finished, he played for the Kickers, and we lived together for pretty much three years. My first year, I lived by myself for the most part, but I was always at this guy's place. But for the last two years, we lived together, so this has been my main man always teaching me the game. And now we've been working on the offseason, hanging him out pretty much all the time. So without further ado, I introduce you to Alex Lee. What's up, bro? What's Thanks good, for having me on, man. How's the drive up? Uh, it wasn't bad. I, I didn't think Pittsburgh was this far away from D.C. or Maryland, but... I know, so right? <laughs> <laughs> How you been? Uh, is this your first time in Pittsburgh? Nah, we've... Uh, I mean, I've been playing here. Uh, I've only been here from playing, but I think this is at least my third time, third or fourth time. Have you been enjoying Richmond so far, now that you're living in the city? Oh, it's a game changer, man. I wish we, we would have lived there. I know. It would have been so much different. But uh, it's been amazing. Uh, definitely big moves moving to the city. Um, there's just so much more to do. Mm-hmm. Nothing against uh, UCOP Park and, and, and Chesterfield, but, I mean, it's just, there's a lot more going on. Yeah, city. living in time. the city, too. Free housing was like 10 minutes from the city. Yeah, so you always yeah. have to drive and figure out your way there, but now yeah. you live downtown, yeah. it's perfect. It's a quick Uber, or you can't even walk, really. So, word on the street is this might be your final year, is that correct? Yeah, man, unfortunately. Um, it's bittersweet. Uh, I'm moving on to go to dental school, uh, University of Maryland, staying in Terp, nice. which is nice. nice. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about the next chapter of my life, and uh, but... It's obviously pretty upsetting that I have to give up that probably the first love of my life, soccer. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's going to be a big change. Uh, I'm sure it's going to take a long time to cope with it. I know I'm going to miss it a lot, mm-hmm. especially when next season comes around um, and everyone's starting to get ready for their preseason, yeah. start working out, all mm-hmm. you guys back home, mm-hmm. you know how we get together, all the yeah. MoCo Mo- Mo- crew. Um, <laughs> so it, it's... Uh, it's bittersweet, and I mean, I, I guess I'm just going to have to deal with it. Explain to us kind of like what led you to make this decision now in your career instead of doing it maybe right after school, right after you got drafted. Um, so I think what where it started was after my first four years of playing pro, I just felt like I could be doing more with my life. <clears throat> I'd cut, we'd be finished with practice at what, like 11 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. at the latest? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just... <laughs> sit around, play video games. I would go to the gym two, yeah. twice a week. But I really wasn't doing something that where I felt like I was right. furthering my life, especially for after right. playing. Um, so I, I decided to go back to school two years ago. 
um, and take all the prereqs that I need to eventually apply, apply mm-hmm. to dental school. So I guess that's where the road started. And then I finally hit the spot where I applied to dental school. I got in and I just had to make a decision at that point. And I just felt like it was a good time. I mean, I've had a great seven year career. I've enjoyed every single yeah. moment of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely was a tough decision, but I, I don't think I could pass up going to dental school yeah, now. Yeah, this is once in a lifetime yeah. opportunity. And going yeah. off what you're saying about finished practice at 11 o'clock, that's kind of why I started this podcast. I was sitting around my days finishing up at like 11 yeah. noon, and I'm just like, man. You feel like you're rotting away. Rotting yeah. away. <laughs> I gotta do something with my brain. Like, yeah, exactly why I started this podcast. So how'd you kind of manage doing school and playing? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you saw it firsthand. Yeah. Um, I did not get into the VCU post-bac program, but I did get into the University of Maryland uh, post-bac program. So I was commuting back and forth between College Park and Richmond four times a week, driving four hours a day. Yeah, That was the biggest grind of my life. I thought I'd be able to handle it, but it was was miserable. Um, I I honestly hated that part of it. We'd get done with practice at 10, 30, 11, and I'd take a shower, maybe sometimes we'd get a game of FIFA in or something. (laughs) And then drive up to Maryland, um, either get take a nap or start studying, go to class from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., and then drive straight back down to Richmond, mm. wake mm. up, go to practice, to start the do. cycle. Yeah, so, I mean, it was definitely a grind. Um, and I felt like because I was putting in that work that I had to just right. finish it. And when, when I got into dental school, I was like, I'm... I'm ready. I'm going to go. So now that school's starting this fall, what are you going to do? Um, yeah, so we talked to Richmond. I talked to the Richmond Kickers. They're uh, real cool. They said I can go to class and uh, still play in the game. So nice. I'll be able to finish out the season, which I'm real grateful for. Right. Um, my last couple of games, um, which is which is awesome. I'm, I'm extremely grateful for that. So it'll be a nice transition of going to school and finishing out my career. And then um, when I'm able to make the choice with the Guam team, then I'll, I'll make it out nice. with them. Yeah. Um, I'm missing a tournament in, it's at the end of August, early September, out in uh, Japan, training camp in Japan, and mm-hmm. then the tournament out in Mongolia, which I'm super bummed about. I know when that time comes around, I'm going to be <laughs> so upset. But yeah. um, obviously cheering the squad, cheering for the It'll squad. It'll pay off in the long run. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean... Uh, that's why I chose dentistry. It's a uh, yeah. it's a good profession. Has a great work life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I felt like it's the right decision, and I don't really have any regrets. So you have over a hundred caps with the same organization. Congrats on that. Thanks, bro. Appreciate that. You've been with Richmond for six years of your seven. How's the team kind of changed in your eyes over the years? Um, the team's changed, but I think the league has changed a lot more than the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously with any any team and after every year there's going to be some changes mm-hmm. people come people go um but the the growth that the league has has just been exponential and amazing yeah. um i mean the first year i started we were playing just one team with the dutch lions we were playing on a 50 yard wide high school field yeah. worst turf that was my debut yeah my really <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i remember that they yeah. scored real early that yep, game yep. yeah i remember yep. that game um playing in front of like five people yeah. and now you see clubs like cincinnati mm-hmm. indy having thousands of people at the game it's mm-hmm. it's really amazing and it's 
it's been an honor to be a part of that growth. Yeah, so I was going to ask you as well, like, you've seen this league change going on from when you used to fly out to the West Coast and stuff. How do you think it's going to continue to grow? And Do you think it's going on the right path? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely miss those West Coast trips. Those are some of the best times I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, you can't. I mean, the league's growing. There's so many teams now, so it, it would be tough to play everyone. Um, and then, I mean, it's even, it's going to continue growing. There's new yeah. teams coming in next year. Yeah. Um, I even heard from somewhere, I forget, maybe one of my teammates, that they're going to split into three conferences. So yeah. it'll oh, be wow. less traveling. Wow. I, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know about that. Wow. But that's just what I heard. Um, but, I mean, it's just, it's crazy how fast the league's growing. Yeah. It's amazing. So you guys have a new coaching change in your organization. How has the atmosphere kind of changed? Um, it's been good. I mean, Cal uh, Shell's a legend. He's been there. He was there for 18-some years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's obviously had his stamp on the Richmond kickers um, through it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's good. I think it's re-energized the club. Bilo's bringing a lot of energy. Um, and he's an stri- extremely positive guy, which I, I think is, is helping us, um, especially with the, the way we started the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, obviously it's going to take a while for his ideas and uh, coaching style to to get into place um but i think the team's learning really well and um we're starting to put things together nice nice how was your relationship kind of with lee over the years do you think he's beneficial to your career yeah yeah for sure um i mean he, he took the chance on me so yeah, me too um, gotta respect him for that mm-hmm. um and, but i mean he, he was a good coach he, he knew what he was talking about um we would butt heads occasionally we have our, <laughs> of our disagreements but Overall, we had a good relationship. I thought um, we were always able to work, put our differences aside, and mm-hmm. just do what's best for the team. Mm-hmm. And man's always successful. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't deny that. Same thing for me as well. I mean, he gave me that opportunity, and to be honest, he kind of groomed me. We didn't really know much at Mason Soccer. Like yeah, you guys true. Were around, yeah, so. sure, bro. You, can't, you came up there with <laughs> I know, right? So you grew up in Gatesburg, Maryland. You had two brothers as well. You actually have a twin named Justin who also played collegiate, played for Penn State University. Shout out Justin. And you have a younger brother who played at High Point University, Nate Lee, also played at Penn State as well. So what was it like kind of playing for Potomac growing up and playing in the DMV area? Oh, man, I love Potomac so much. I still see those guys all the time. Those are some of my best friends. Uh, We played for Coach Pete Mailert, who's an absolute legend, and I I owe a lot of my my soccer skills, philosophies and everything to him um mm-hmm. he really really opened my eyes up to to the game of soccer um and i mean i i really only have good things to say about him um and we we really can't we had a team that was okay and he, he brought us to a, a national contender um really encouraged us to play soccer um move the ball and yeah. and he really helped i was a forward at the time growing up and he, he really helped me with my movement off the ball nice. And um, I, I thought that was my best attribute as a forward was my runs in behind, checking in, holding up. Um, so, yeah, I, I owe a lot of my, my soccer knowledge to, to Coach Miller. And this was pre-academy, right? You never played academy. Yeah, I never played academy. The academy came along my senior year. So I would have played. I could have played it for one year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was the Potomac. It was the Potomac Academy. And they had a very good U17 team. Um, 
Israel Cisse, uh, they had another kid, Sam, Mike Hawk, a bunch of a bunch of good dudes, mm-hmm. um, and we had a we had a pretty solid team too. But when they went to academy, they said they only wanted the U17s and didn't want the U18s to play. So we were like, all right, well, we already have our team. Like we don't we don't need to go to academy. Right. A lot of our guys had already committed, and we loved our team. And then once they realized their team, they may have needed some players. They started asking uh, us to come over. Of and we were like, uh, I don't know. We tried to see if they would take let Coach Mailer coach, and mm-hmm. that wasn't an option. So we were like, no, nah, we're just going to stay. Um, gotcha. I mean, our team was so close. It was uh, yeah. it, it would have been tough to break up that team anyways. Right. Yeah, you guys were always good, too. I remember watching you guys growing up. Just yeah, yeah, we liked to play. Uh, we, I mean, we definitely had a, a set style of play. Uh, we had a big target forward, Zach Zimmer, is the man, and we we, did, we played a lot through him. I was always running off his flicks. We scored like half our goals <laughs> just off him flicking it behind the defense and me running onto it. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I love those guys so much, and uh, I miss playing with them. So how competitive is the DMV area for those people who don't know? Yeah, hands down, <laughs> top top place in, in the nation for soccer. I know Texas can make a uh, argument, a maybe bit, some places in California, but yeah, I mean just just if you look at the pros that have come out of Montgomery County, I feel like you can, mm-hmm. it doesn't compare to anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean it's been it's, it was a privilege for us that we were able to play with so many good players, yeah. and it made it made us better. Right. So you also play basketball throughout your life through high school pretty much and from my personal experience one of the best point guards I know <laughs> two on two me versus in, me and him versus anybody <laughs> put the bread up don't worry we got you um, and I remember when we played in Richmond everyone used to call him Jeremy Lin he was balling and killing it but how did basketball kind of affect your life and did it have an influence on you on the field yeah no doubt I definitely think soccer translates to basketball better than basketball translates to soccer but it definitely helps um i mean i feel like defensively Mm -hmm. uh moving your feet uh, really translates to soccer um but yeah just i I mean i love basketball um that was definitely my second love for sure and i just love going out and compete with my friends um i went to magruder high school it was a uh a powerhouse in basketball i would say they always Mm -hmm. had uh, a bunch of good players coming through a bunch of good teams and I remember my mom taught at Magruder, so I grew up going to the games, and I always wanted to do that. Um, and fortunately, I was able to do that, and we balled out, lost in the state championship one year, wow. um, and then made it to the state, or not state, regional finals my two other years playing. Um, but yeah, I mean, great experience. We'd always pack out the, the arenas at Magruder. Um, we had some big games there, too. I, I had so much fun playing. <laughs> of course, yeah. Same for me. I mean, I think for me, when I played forward as well, kind of like the post-up game, I also played six fours. I played in the post a little bit. So positionally, even as a center back now, when you're fighting against fours and you have to fight with them before the ball even comes, and like that's kind of been helping yeah. me on and off the field through basketball. So definitely translates to both sports. <laughs> yeah, I think um, the soccer translating to basketball especially with the angles yeah. you know it helps the angle play so yeah, much because definitely. in soccer it's it's hard to pass around somewhere basketball you can wrap your arms around yep. ball yep. fakes with your hands are so much yep. easier than than soccer um but yeah i mean it's it's i think it helped me out a lot so you were in high school american your senior year maryland state chance for soccer what kind of led you to go to Maryland? And did you have any other options? Um, yeah. Um, I think my top three choices were Maryland, Penn State, and West, uh, West Virginia and Georgetown. So mm-hmm. four. 
Um, me and my twin brother, we decided that we were going to go to the same school together. Um, we, we cut it down to Maryland and Penn State. And <clears throat> I think at the last second, he decided he wanted to go to Penn State. And mm-hmm. I felt like Maryland was the best fit for me. Um, you guys are trying to go together? Yeah, we, we said we were going to the same place. And Damn. we actually got the same offers everywhere, except Damn. he got a full ride to AU. Mm-hmm. And they didn't offer me anything. Okay. They need a, He's a right back. Okay. They needed a right back. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely upset me that he chose to go to Penn State. I mean, I wasn't mad at him. Yeah. Um, one of our best friends from Potomac was a freshman there the year before that. Mm. But he ended up transferring out, so they never played together, uh, which was unfortunate. Uh, but I think that influenced his, his decision to go there. But, I mean, it worked out. Um, the reasons I chose to go to Maryland were that is one of the greatest yeah. greatest programs in the, pro, <laughs> in the country. Um, they played a great style of play. I like they played an attacking, pressing style of play, which mm. is how I like to play. Um, and then just their their pedigree of sending players to the next level. I, I knew I wanted to be a professional soccer player, mm. and I felt like that was going to give me the best chance to do that. Definitely, and look who you are now. Yeah. So you had an incredible collegiate career. You win the national championship your freshman year with Graham Zuzzi and Omar Gonzalez. Zach McMath, Matt Castellick. I was playing with, with the best players in the country. And, I mean, I definitely wasn't as good as them at that time, but I saw that I could play with them. And uh, that really opened my eyes to realize that. I was like, I can, okay, I can actually right. play. And it gave me a lot of confidence in um, playing the rest of my career at Maryland then playing in the pros as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So then you kind of made the switch to a defender going into your sophomore year, right? How did that talk come about? So we had, after we won the national championship, we lost our whole back line. Uh, and we really didn't have a whole lot of depth back there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just was playing right back in the spring my freshman year. And also I played well. Um, I, I wasn't balling out by any means, but I thought I played well. Um, they tried me there for a couple spring games, did well, and then it was my spot to lose going into the fall season, and I kept the spot. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. So you, then you start your first 11 games your sophomore year, but then... You kind of had a tragic accident. What happened? Yeah, that was, I remember we played Virginia Tech the night before. Had a crazy comeback win. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I don't think it went into overtime. I think we scored two late goals to win that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next day, we woke up, me, Billy Cortez, London Woodbury, former guest on the show. Former guest on the show. We went to D.C. Uh, we were hanging out with Rodney Wallace and a couple of D.C. United guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just having a couple drinks. Um, then around 9.30, I was headed back to College Park, and I wasn't paying attention. Got hit by a car. It's going 40 miles per hour. Um, I, I got knocked out from the car, but I remember two minute, up until like two minutes before the accident. But uh, Billy in London said I jumped at the last second, mm. which was, um, thank yeah. God I did, because I, uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't be yeah. alive. Um, hit the windshield, flew up in the air, and I landed on my head fractured my skull mm. um, and I had a subdural hematoma which is there's some bleeding and pressure mm. in between my brain and my skull um, yeah. but luckily I was in DC and I got rushed to the hospital I made it from the accident to the hospital in 11 minutes from the time when I got hit which wow. probably also probably life-saving yeah. um, went into surgery that night they just had to uh, they cut open my skull release the blood and pressure in mm. between my brain um, and the first memory I have after it, I was waking up, uh, and the nurse told me what happened. I got hit by a car. I got some surgery done, and 
the first thing I said, the, well, I don't remember this either because I was drugged up, but the nurse said the first thing that I said was, oh shit, don't tell my coach, he's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. That's so, how it is, yeah, though. I know, that was the first thing I thought. And then uh, the second thing I thought, I kept on feeling my legs. And I, was, I just couldn't believe that my legs, there's nothing wrong with my legs. Yeah. And yeah. I asked the nurse if, like, I'd be ever, if I'd be able to play soccer again. Um, and she's like, yeah, you should be good. Like six months, I couldn't do anything for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, I could start running after three, yeah. but no, no contact until six months. Yeah. So then when I got back after the six, month, uh, six months, I was probably the most fit I've ever been oh, in my wow. life because I could only run mm-hmm. and not do any contact. So I was just running all sense. the time, um, yeah. getting, getting the workouts in. So I was, I was fit and ready to go. Um, I actually remember the first play. Back. We were playing Akron in a spring game. I was going up against Darlington Nagby. I think I came in at left back. Darlington Nagby was on the right, and they had a goal kick. And I was just praying that the ball wouldn't come to me because I was up over Nagby, won a header. Didn't really feel any pain. So after that, I was like, I guess I'm good. And mm-hmm. right after that, I was all the all the confidence came right back, and I was balling to how I usually was. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank God you're able to come back. Yeah, for real, no, bro. man. Thanks, I appreciate yeah, of course, that. Of course, crazy. So then you were conference champs your junior year. You actually played against your twin brother Justin in the NCAA tournament. How was that experience for you playing yeah, against that your was brother? Wild. Um, it was so he actually didn't start that game. That was the only game all season that he didn't start, which was so weird. I don't know. His coach was like trying to play some mind game. I have no idea what was going. On. Yeah. So that was I was a little upset about that. Um, but, I mean, it was a cool experience. My parents were there. They'd be wearing, like, a Maryland hat or Penn State shirt or a Maryland shirt, Penn State hat. Um, and, I mean, it was, a, it was a spectacle for sure. We, we've always been on the same team. Um, and then here we are on, in the NCAA tournament competing against each mm-hmm. other. Um, I remember one time one of his teammates tried to pass, Corey Herzog, former uh, Riverhound. Riverhound. Yeah. I remember I, like, stepped in front of a ball coming to him. And I, I was dribbling the ball. Justin stepped up to me, and I could hear the crowd get loud, and uh, so, anticipating the tackle. Yeah. But I just turned around and played it back. <laughs> back. <laughs> but yeah, um, it was a really good game. Zero zero. They actually had the run of the play in the beginning of the game. Um, Justin actually had a, a real nice shot. Zach McMath had a crazy a crazy game that game, and then. Uh, Taylor Kent, with two minutes left, had a, one of the sickest goals I've ever seen. Sick volley, top of the 18. The, that the keeper could do nothing nothing about. We end up winning the game 1-0. Oh, that's yeah. dope. So then you have a very good senior year, and you end up getting drafted by FC Dallas in 2012. Did you kind of have an idea you are going to get drafted, or how did that? Um, I mean, I thought I was. Um, I had an injury at the end of my senior year, so I only played like one game out of my last eight. And then I was invited to the combine, and right before the combine, I re-injured my quad. I had a pulled quad that I was dealing with, um, which was a huge bummer. I knew that was going to hurt my stock. Um, I mean, because we were ranked number one that whole year, um, and then so I, I was definitely on some boards and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but not making the combine definitely hurt my stock. I was still lucky enough to be drafted in the supplemental by FC Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, and they gave me a shot. I still couldn't even go down there for the beginning of preseason because I was still dealing with that uh, wow. quad injury. So I missed the first month of preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, finally got fit, came down, uh, earned a contract, uh, 
It was, uh, it was a super cool experience. Um, definitely thankful for the opportunity that FC Dallas gave me. Yeah. Uh, play with some great, great players. Um, Breck Shea, David Ferreira. Mm-hmm. Um, who else was there? Andrew Jacobson was, I thought was an amazing player. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really cool experience. I mean, playing with the top players in the world. Um, I'm sure they treated you guys like top professionals. Yeah, yeah, too. for sure. It was, it was very professional, professional. Um, a little, a little bit different than the USL. Of course, but the course. USL has definitely gotten better. So, yeah. no disrespect to the USL. So then, how did that kind of affect you mentally? You know, you're doing really well from high school and college, and now you're dealing with health. You're not really playing for FC Dallas. Like, what was your thought process? Yeah, it was tough. Um, I I try to stay positive. I kind of looked at it like I was a rookie and yeah. I had to earn my spot. I was uh, in the beginning before I got here. I thought I played well. I went into one slump. I don't know what happened. It was crazy. For like a month period, I was not playing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I was able to get out of that funk and start balling. Um, and right before the the week I got injured, the coach, he said on Tuesday, who knows if he was bullshitting or what, but he said I was going to start that weekend. Um, and then we ran, we had a beep test early that week, and I broke the franchise record to that. Damn. So I was looking good, and then we trained right after that beep test, and that's mm-hmm. when I had the hernia. I felt mm-hmm. like the the first instance of that hern that sports hernia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it was just real unfortunate, but you know that's how sports go. You of know? course, of course. So then, how did you have an agent or something? Like, how did you get a, end up in Richmond? Um, yeah, so I had an agent. I SC Dallas didn't pick up my option for the following year. Um, it was a little unfortunate. I had that injury in May. And they were, I they did. They're saying it wasn't a hernia for three months. So I was just rehabbing, mm-hmm. wasn't getting any better. Kept on rehabbing, wasn't getting any better. Um, finally, they're like, "All right, you probably have a hernia." Yeah. They went in to do the surgery. Turns out, I did have a hernia. And then by that time, it was like May, June, July. It was like July or maybe even August. You could have so been had it. Right, the right. And then yeah. been good. Yeah. By the end of the yeah. year, and yeah. got a couple games in. But by the time I got it, it was a season-ending surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got a new technical director in that time, so he didn't pick. Up, he never saw me play. Didn't pick up my option at the end of the year, and I actually almost called it quits after that. I wasn't. I wasn't even gonna play. After that, my agent sent me an email saying that Richmond had an open tryout, wow. and he just encouraged me to go to it. Um, I didn't even train really that much wow. before. I was getting back in shape after yeah. I was good, just for health. Right. Um, after the the hernia. But I didn't even train, really. Went down there. It was so cold. I remember there's uh, Travis was down there, Travis Pittman, mm-hmm. um, a bunch of the homies. I think Peebo was down there. Um, and I, I, it was crazy. I don't know. I, all the, the team was stacked because they all the players that they wanted to see were on one team playing against everybody else. So, right. And I remember our team went 9-1. I had seven assists and two goals. <laughs> And I was like, all right, position, right back? Uh, no, I was playing right back and right mid. Okay. Like two halves, I switched off. So after that, I was pretty confident I was going to get uh, yeah. get a contract. And even after that, they were like, we still want to see you one more time. So, yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> yeah, did I not prove myself enough? Yeah. Um, so they, they had me playing a scrimmage against George Mason. Mm. And they offered me a contract after that game. Oh, you know what? I remember playing against you yeah, that game. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was in Richmond too on that turf. Yeah, true. I remember that. Remember you guys, that you guys beat us. Because from our perspective, playing against the pro team and stuff, and Drake was telling me uh, about true, you on the team true. and all that. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, I know you got your contract. Yeah, that so year. it was right after that game. Wow. They offered me the contract. Wow. 
And yeah, I mean, since then it's been a wrap. Yeah, that's crazy. So what's kind of like the business side of the game? Like how do players get their salaries situated, their years and contracts and um for the for the USL, I feel like honestly, at least at Richmond, um you definitely got to start off towards the bottom yeah. um, for all the new rookies and new players who haven't really proven themselves. Um, and then, I mean, if you ball out, then you're going to get, you're going to get more money. Um, so, I mean, I just, I just controlled what I could control. Um, just played the best that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and every year that I got paid more, um, and I was able to follow that. Um, but I, I kind of like, I had an agent my first four years as a pro. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't that it wasn't a positive experience for me. Uh, um, I felt like he wasn't doing enough for me, um, f- and I was just paying him money mm-hmm. for him just to go through the motions. So I, f- I felt like I could I didn't need an agent, especially being in the USL. Like I don't think that he could um, negotiate X amount of dollars that was going to benefit me enough to where I, I was it was worth paying for. Um, do you think it's beneficial to have an agent in this game? Um, I, I mean, definitely, especially if you're working with, with bigger contracts. Yeah. Um, but in the USL, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room, especially at Richmond. I mean, it's a, it's one of the lower-budget clubs. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's not a whole whole lot that he could get me that I couldn't do myself. Yeah. So I negotiated my last two contracts, uh, which was... Which is pretty easy. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. There's not a whole lot that right. that I could could have gotten if I had better negotiating skills or an agent yeah, yeah, for yeah. that matter. So sure. I felt like I was it was more beneficial just for me not to have an agent. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, we're assets to this company, and you know, every year is really based off your performance and pretty much how you do and determines if you're gonna get paid next year, or get right. some more money and things. So. You know, you ever feel like there's a little pressure when you're out there on the field sometimes? No, for sure, for sure. Out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you got to perform and get paid. And yeah. if you're not performing, you're not going to get paid. So uh, there's definitely pressure. But for me, I, I don't really think about that. I mean, I just go out and try to ball. Um, mm-hmm. That's just what I've always done my whole life, even before I wasn't getting paid. I, I honestly feel like I have the same mentality going into games as I did as a pro than I did before a pro. I'm just trying to ball out and do everything I can to help yeah. the team to win, you know? Right. Right. Um, I just feel like that's my competitive nature, and um, I feel like the best way to to play well is win games and help the team. Yeah. So I just try to do that. So this is now your sixth year in, in the USL, and, you know, with D3 coming along, do you think that's going to be beneficial? Obviously, we're talking about the USL growing a little bit. A little yeah, bit for sure. I mean, I feel like uh, the, the more teams, the better. I mean, there's so many cities, uh, so many soccer markets in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, and I feel like having a, a local team <laughs> is awesome for, for a city to support. I yeah. mean, you see these new cities popping up, or these new teams in these new cities popping up, and... Um, I mean the support that they get is is amazing and it's just it's good for the game in the U.S. and I, yeah. I, I mean it has to inspire the the young kids that mm-hmm. are going to these games. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean I feel like ultimately that's the goal is just grow the sport in the U.S. Do you think there's gonna be promotion relegation? Any any? Um, yeah, I've I've had this conversation a couple times. I'm not sure. Um, I mean I think it would make things a lot more interesting. I just don't know how it is from a business standpoint if it's worth the clubs in the USL two to have that risk of going to the US USL three mm-hmm. um, division three. So yeah. 
uh, from the business standpoint, I don't know what how it is, but I feel like from a competitive standpoint, it would be great for the yeah. game. Um, yeah. I mean, you see it in the the Premier League and first or uh, Championship first division, especially that tournament at the end of the season. That, that yeah. is, it's so cool to watch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that would be that would be fun to play in for sure. Hopefully, I'd I'd be on the side for the promotion, not the relegation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so how did Guam kind of come about? I mean, I remember. I think that was around 2015, you kind of had the conversation about Guam coming about. So yeah. how did that Yeah, it was wild. I didn't even know that Guam had a national team until I saw one of my college teammates play for the Guam national mm-hmm. team. Um, and our grandmother was born there. Gotcha. So we were like, we had, we were eligible to play. So we reached out um, to the coach and... Pretty much, next thing you knew, we were on a plane to Hong Kong, basically for a, a trial. Yeah. He wanted to see us play. I know he watched some some video. The coach Gary White watched um, some video on mm-hmm. us. Um, but I mean, the the team there's not it's not a huge team, not a huge pool to select from. So we were on the trip to uh, Hong Kong, and uh, which that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Um, all three of my brothers started, or me and both my brothers started that first game against Hong Kong, and walking out onto the field FIFA anthem playing was one of the coolest moments I've ever had <laughs> I can imagine yeah it was it was so cool I um, can imagine yeah I can't even describe it it was what's it like playing with your brothers representing this country yeah it's amazing traveling the world yeah it's, it's I can't say enough about it it's the, yeah. it's the coolest things I've ever done um, <laughs> we get to go see these amazing cities mm-hmm. with the, I love my team the Guam Guam team is amazing so close knit um, everyone's super chill. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're about business when we're over there, and then once the tournament's over, we have a good time in these amazing cities. So um, it, it's it's such a cool experience. And then, in terms of soccer, playing international matches is is a dream come true. Mm-hmm. Um, let alone playing with both of my brothers, like it's it's the coolest thing. Um, every time I step on the field, it, it's uh, I'm so proud yeah. and humbled to to be out there. Do you guys get a lot of support from the locals? Yeah, for sure. Especially after um, our World Cup campaign. We yeah. won our first two games on Guam. Um, and the first game we had, we were playing Turkmenistan. It was, the stadium was packed. It wasn't that big. It was mm-hmm. like it holds like 6,000 people. But if you, if you think about it, there's 150,000 people on Guam. So like that's a massive percentage of the island wow. of the total population wow. at that game. Wow. Wow. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, it was packed out. We ended up beating Turkmenistan one zero, and just ha- taking the lap after the game was was an emotional experience. You could just see in in everyone's eyes how proud they were. Yeah, uh, I mean it's such a small island, and right. beating these these bigger countries and World Cup qualifiers, um, it was a special experience. And then right at we the next game we had a, a game against India the same trip. Um, they're the biggest country in Asia, and we're the smallest country in the Ooh, Asia. India. Yeah, India is yeah, the biggest yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, Guam's the smallest population in the uh, AFC Soccer Confederation, and we ended up beating them two one. Wow, which was wild. Wow. It made like the Wall Street Journal. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. The Wall and, uh, Street yeah, Journal definitely made some some news around the world. It was that was a special a experience. Guam, though. Yeah, yeah, it was it was amazing. Those people after that game were was, we were going crazy, man. And that's what soccer is like worldwide, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what besides America. Right, I mean, right. You don't even realize that. I mean, basketball yeah. and football are so yeah. big, but you go other places in right. the world, it's just soccer. Yeah, it's just soccer, and then um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it was, it's just playing with gloves is the best experience I've ever had. What's some of the toughest countries you played against? Um, the toughest, no doubt, is Iran. We played. We also played them in the World Cup qualifier campaign. We played them in Iran, mm-hmm. and they beat us 6-0, and then we played them on Guam, and they beat us 6-0, but... That was the best team I'd ever seen. Uh, their movement off the ball was incredible. Every every movement they made, opening up some space for another player who would mm. pop in, they would get the ball, play it to the dude who opened up that space. It was uh, that was a, a really good learning experience playing against them. I mean, they had some big time players who played in the EPL and Bundesliga. Um, Dejago was there. Um, Andranik Tamorian, he was the captain during the campaign, but he wasn't on that World Cup squad mm-hmm. um, that they just had. But he was one of the greatest leaders I've ever seen. We were up, they were up uh, 5-0 in the game in Iran, and someone made a, a small mistake. It wasn't even a big mistake. Like They didn't even get the ball away. Maybe they just made the wrong movement, and this guy jumps on him, screaming at him. And I'm like, damn, these dudes are up 5-0, yeah. and he's still wow. getting on them. Wow. So I was like, damn, like that's that's a really high standard yeah. right there. Um, and clearly that that's that's what it takes to be successful mm-hmm. at the international level. Who do you guys play this upcoming fall? Um, we play Macau, Northern Mariana Islands, and Mongolia. Nice. So we should have a, a decent chance to make it out, out of that group. And if we make it out of that, if we win that group, we go to either... Taiwan or Hong Kong in November to play. Wow. Taipei, um, Hong Kong, and maybe Singapore or one one of those teams. I don't know. So, yeah, hopefully um, we can get the dub in Mongolia and then hopefully I can make it to the the tournament in November um, if school permits me to. So, with the USO growing and you're starting to see a bunch of teenagers, I don't know if you've seen the 15 year old out in LA who's been killing yeah, it. Yeah, he's been killing it. All these guys, all these teenagers and homegrown players starting to play in the USL. If you could do it again, would you go straight to the same route, going the college route, or would you go straight to the pros when you're a teenager? Man, that's a really good question. Um, that is a really good question. I think it would depend on. On what the contract was? Are you saying straight to the USL? Straight to the USL per se. I mean, you know, you have a USL contract in hand, but you also have big time offers for. True. Maybe like a, go to a second team, a MLS team, and then go. Yeah, yeah. Have that opportunity. Like a MLS team. Yeah. I mean, like soccer was my dream. I wanted to be a professional soccer player from age eight, probably. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that would be a dream come true. Um, Thinking back on I mean, I was so young at 16. I, like, look back <laughs> at some of the decisions I was making when I was 16. Um, I think I definitely would have asked my parents for guidance, for sure. Yeah. Um, my dad has always been the one who's always cared more about whether we got A's than whether we scored a hat trick mm-hmm. or 20 points in a basketball game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think he would have pushed me towards college. Um, I think they would have let, let me make the final decision. Um, mm-hmm. I th- I think thinking about myself when I was a sixteen year old and I was offered a USL contract, I th- I think I'll say I- I'd probably take it just yeah. because that's my dream. Mm-hmm. I mean I worked my whole life mm-hmm. to to reach that dream and if that dream was offered to me I think I'd take it. And you can always go back to school right. too. Like obviously you won't be able to play collegiately, right. but you know this is kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity and you never know what can happen. I mean and that's what they kind of do overseas. You're 16, you can become pro. 
if you bounce around in four, with 14 at the time you're 20, 21, you have your niche with the team and right. you have full confidence now, whereas here, like, you're going through the college. Right. I, I feel like the only the only bad thing was, was, was missing out on a scholarship. Yeah. You know, school yeah, was, very school, true. I, I was on a little bit more than half, but it still helped me out a lot, and, like, that still saved mm-hmm. me a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean that you're definitely missing out out on the scholarship, which mm-hmm. is, and an education is invaluable. A right. college degree, um, and it just opens up so many doors. Which I, I'm so thankful. I, I don't have any regrets with how it yeah, went. Me either. Um, me either. And I, I loved every minute of college. It was an amazing experience. Met some of my best friends there. Had some of the best times. Um, but. I think if it came down to it, that I, I would have to choose soccer, yeah. the pro life over yeah. the college life. I think I would probably do the same, go the same route. So, what do you think America needs to do for soccer to continue to grow? I think it's moving in the right direction. Um, looking on it now, um, I mean, we were practicing. I don't know about you, but I was practicing like two to three times max a week with my yeah. club team. Yeah. Um, and now at that was up until maybe almost college. High school we trained almost every day, uh, but now these kids are twelve, ten years old training every day. Yeah. Uh, which I mean is you you see the kids now growing up. They're so much more skillful than than we were growing yeah. up. Yeah, I agree with like that. Like these dudes can juggle juggle yeah. a thousand times. <laughs> I think my record was like maybe like two hundred. Yeah. When I was a senior in college or senior in high school. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you definitely see the development at a young age, um, which is I think monumental. Um, in terms of improving, um, man, I don't know. I, I just think if you play more, that the the players are going to be better, um, especially maybe get them in better environments, which I think the academy is also doing. Yeah, definitely. Um, playing when you're playing with the better players, you're obviously going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just think. Playing more and playing with better players is how, how you're going to grow the game in the U.S. Yeah, for me, I feel like also the pay-to-play system is kind of hurting us as well. If you think of like other sports, basketball, football, a bunch of underprivileged kids or even right. poor families. You know, We're coming from a basketball background as well. And you think, for me, for example, I didn't pay for a shoe after like ninth grade. Sure. And it's like, why is that? Obviously, there's more money in basketball, but you know these kids are given an opportunity. As long as you're good, you can play. Whereas I'm very thankful my parents had some money. I was able to play and bounce around different clubs and, you know, continuously work my way up and things. And even yeah. at school, I didn't get a full scholarship as well, so I still needed some help from my parents right. as well. So I feel like, you know, th- that system's hurting a lot of kids who are just playing on the streets and yeah. just have that. That's, where, that's how, how kind of the best players worldwide come right. Yeah, I feel like it's reversed. Soccer in the U.S. is reversed yeah. than it is in yeah. the rest of the world. I feel yeah. like... The, the poor kids are playing soccer around the world and in the U.S. the poor kids are playing basketball yeah. uh, football yeah. um, where as soccer it's a little bit more expensive to play you gotta travel mm-hmm. gotta pay for the coaches mm-hmm. like it's, it's pretty expensive mm-hmm. one of my uh, one of my friends has a uh, has a son who's in, been playing up in the Bethesda Academy and he's just telling me how expensive it is every uh, every session um so, I mean, that, that's just a reality that they have to deal with. Um, aren't the, the academies, some of the top academies are free? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think that's that's yeah. helpful. But there's only a couple teams around the nation. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's a, a big draw, especially for the, the under... Since the U.S. didn't qualify for the World Cup, 
did you feel like the atmosphere was kind of different? Yeah, um, that, that was super upsetting that they didn't qualify. Um, you could just see the hype that that the hype around around the country was um, the last World Cup, where there were there's huge, huge um, crowds at Dupont Circle. Everyone was there watching on a big screen. It was an amazing experience cheering for your country in in, a, in that type of atmosphere. Whereas this year, even the bars were kind of half empty. No mm-hmm. one was really. You didn't see that patriotism mm-hmm. that you saw that the first in the, what World Cup was the two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Oh, we were in Richmond. Yeah, yeah, we were in Penny Lane Pub. Yeah, yeah, it was rocking. Yeah, it was rocking. Awesome, like, yeah, it was I'll awesome. Never forget that. Yeah, great experience. Um, and yeah, I would even describe it as it was dead. Like yeah. it was dead. I just watched every game at yeah. on my couch. Yeah, right, I loved right. it. I, right. It was one of the. It was probably my favorite World Cup ever. Amazing soccer, amazing games. Uh, but just I just miss that uh, that patriotism that everyone's rooting for the same mm-hmm. country. You mm-hmm. see, big watch parties in in the cities mm-hmm. that everyone's going to, having a great time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was that was unfortunate that we didn't have those that this year. Yeah. So what advice kind of would you have for aspiring professionals and you know the next generation who are trying to become professionals? Um, I would say what's most important is that you gotta love the game yeah. um, I love the game so I would go out and play for fun mm-hmm. growing up I will just I wouldn't even think about like I'm gonna go get better at soccer mm-hmm. I would just do it cause it was fun yeah. um, so I fell in love with the game and then at a certain age I started playing competitive um, and I just I mean I just I'm a very competitive person I just love winning yeah. so I felt like that was the, the next thing that was really driving me to become a better player mm-hmm. um so yeah, fall in love with the game and fall in love with winning, really. Yeah. And I feel like the rest will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously you got putting in the work. It's not just gonna happen. Um, I, I felt like I really improved as a player at the University of Maryland. Nice. Um, Sash really brought the best out of out of his players um, and really really pushed everyone to to play play their best. Yeah, how important also is you know the mental aspect of the game and kind of. The mental determination to even be, get become a professional player. Like yeah, that. for sure. Um, I I touched up upon my my slump in FC Dallas for a month. I think that was, I mean that was all mental. Yeah. yeah. Um, I lost my confidence. Yeah. Um, and it's tough. Like you you understand that you're not playing confident, mm-hmm. but you're you're trying to think like what can I do to change it? Mm-hmm. And even if you're like uh, you understand that you're not you're not playing as well as you can be you still it's still hard to change get out of out of a flunk right um i forget what what the switch was that helped me get out of it but once i started got my confidence back i was back to myself and Mm -hmm. playing well so confidence has a lot to do with it um if you're confident i feel like the you're not worrying about where your first touch is going you're just doing it Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's a big part of the Mm -hmm. game and playing just being confident in your ability to play some passes that you might not be right. confident in playing if right. if you're not confident you know yeah confidence goes a long long way so yo my dude i appreciate you coming for on the sure, show bro. thanks for having me shout out joseph meter he's a big fan of the podcast and asked for a shout out hit the subscribe button and stay updated with more episodes and when they're released and i look forward to sharing different experiences with more players countrywide in the upcoming future talk to you soon footy fans thank you for listening in